Everyone say, come on. Come on, everyone say, God is good. There's a lot of power behind the mic like this, isn't it? You can just tell people to do what you want. I'm going to be sharing. I'm going to be sharing this morning from Acts chapter 7 and Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, it's not the wrong memo. It's still Exodus, so don't, don't stress. Uh, in particular, we're looking at the quote of Moses. Uh, so we're starting in Acts chapter 7. Stephen is on trial. He's recounting the history of Israel. Now I'm going to paraphrase. We're going to be reading from 17 to 34. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to paraphrase. There's a couple of key points. The first thing is Moses is 40 years old. He decides to visit his own people. He defends an Israelite who was being abused by a, an Egyptian. And it says in verse 25, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Then the next day he comes upon two Israelites fighting and he tries to, to stop them from fighting, tries to mediate. And the one turns upon him and says, basically, who do you think you are? Do you think you are, who made you ruler and judge over us? And not only had the news spread to the whole of uh, the people of Israel, but they were snitching, they were telling the is Egyptians as well, to the point that Pharaoh himself learned that Moses had done this thing. I mean, there was only one witness to the crime, the guy who Moses was defending. So now he panics, he's afraid, he flees to Midian, where he settles as a foreigner. He has two sons, now 40 years pass. And it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a burning bush. That's the first key, key kind of uh, scripture that references how God started to move in Moses' life. Now the second one is in Hebrews. Again, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's chapter 11, 24 through 27. It says, by faith, when Moses had grown up, refused to be known as a, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So those actions were actions motivated by faith. Yeah. And this is the backdrop to the conversation that happens in Exodus 3 verse 4. God had already been starting to stir in Moses' heart 40 years before. The call didn't happen when he was 80. It started when he was 40. The stirring to move, move again, move again, move again. Started when he was 40. Um, so a couple of key points from this. The first is uh, the call started 40 years before. And even in killing the Egyptian, Moses acted out in, in faith. He did something strange, but he did it in faith. Um, secondly, uh, uh, the people did not appreciate what he was doing. They completely did not understand that it was God that was moving in his heart in the first place. They really thought, get off your high horse, Moses. Um, and so he feels the call of God. He steps out in faith in response to an event. And the result is catastrophic failure of the highest order. That's probably the worst thing that he could ever think of, losing his home that he'd known for 40 years. Um, and so he takes stock. He's like, sharp brethren, sort yourselves out. I'm going to Midian to look after sheep. And 40 years later, he now has 40 years of experience as a shepherd. He has a family. He has a routine. And he probably thinks, I'm almost hitting retirement. Maybe they lived a bit longer in those days, so retirement might have been 85 instead of 65. And he's thinking, I just have five more years. I'm good, you know? Um, and it's so interesting to see that conversation. There are a couple of things to contrast. In the first move at the age of 40, Moses was so eager to respond that he went out and killed a man. In the second call, at the age of 80, he's so reluctant that he gives five different excuses. So many excuses that God gets angry. And his reasons are from chapter 3, verse 11, his first excuse, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God responded by saying, I will be with you. 
The second excuse was, what if they ask me who sent? He's grasping at straws. What if they ask me who sent me? God responds by saying, tell them the Lord sent you, Yahweh. He who will be, is, and has been. He who brings into existence whatever is. I am the unchanging, everlasting, all-powerful, undefinable creator of all. And this is a name that is also known in Deuteronomy, I think it's 28 somewhere, where it's described as being the most intimate name of God. It's a personal name that he's giving him. Then his third excuse is, what if they don't believe me? God responds by saying, I will take what you have. Yes, you're incompetent. I'll take what you have and endow it with power. Moses' fourth excuse, I'm not competent. That's quite an interesting point because it's someone who's described 40 years earlier as being educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, powerful in word and in action. And he's saying now, I'm not competent. God says, I made man, I'll make you competent. And then his final excuse, it wasn't even an excuse, he was just, just send someone else, please. <laughs> and God responded by saying, you're not alone in this journey. Aaron is already on his way to meet you. You'll not walk it alone. That's a really interesting, exciting historical account. You can compare them from Acts to Exodus and the way they line up um, of how God called Moses. And there are four key points that, I, I, that we can take from this. The first is that God is sovereign. The how and the when of the call is just as important as the what. So just because we know what God has called us to do does not mean that we uh, uh, can take away dependence on him for every step. The second move is, uh, the point is that God is sovereign. He can take us to the backside of the desert and for 40 years still be equipping us for the call. That leading of sheep for 40 years was 40 years of experience that he'd need to lead two and a half million stubborn, difficult human beings in the desert. The third point, God is sovereign. He's greater than all the things you fear. All the concerns that Moses cited were valid reasons, and they happened. Everything that he feared happened to him. But God showed repeatedly that he's greater than all the things that Moses feared. Amen. And the final point is that God is sovereign. He uses the journey to access our hearts. You know, we think the, the pursuit was the promised land. The pursuit was our hearts. He uses a journey to pursue us, to draw us to him, to mold us into his image. It says in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will carry out it to completion. It's such a powerful way that God uses the journey to access our hearts. Look at Abraham. He tried helping God out. By the end of his journey, he was willing to sacrifice the son of the promise because he knew that God can raise the dead. Joseph's journey with all the pain that he experienced by the end of his journey he could say to his brothers with all sincerity I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt and now don't be distressed don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent you ahead of me he could see the bigger picture and finally Moses himself a man raised in privilege educated more than any of his brothers at the age of 40 a man who acted out in his own strength by the age of 80, is described as the most humble man on the face of the earth. Amen. That's the journey. That's the journey that we're each on. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs>